Hello and welcome to the Agape Leaders Podcast. This week we have a special guest, a gentleman I met on TikTok. Uh, his name is Mr. Marvin Lewis. Some of you may know him as I will pray in Jesus' name. He also has a hashtag, Salvation Unmasked. And I believe he has over a million uh, uh, likes on that, or uh, maybe we can ask him when he comes on, but definitely is out there preaching the word. And I believe you're going to love hearing his testimony. So let's bring him in to this week's Agape Leaders Podcast, Minister Marvin Lewis. Well, welcome in, Minister Marvin. We're certainly happy for you to be here. Amen. Good to be here. Praise God. Praise yes, God. Please. Well, one of the things I like to start the episode with is to let everybody know the purpose of the Agape Leaders Podcast is to help people grow in their faith. And, you know, there's so many people that are trying to grow in their faith. They're trying to learn who is this man Jesus Christ. And so the way that I like to do it is to start off by allowing our guests to kind of share their faith journey. You know, how did you meet this man, Jesus Christ? You know, why Christ? Just, just share your journey, how you would want to. The floor is yours. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> everyone needs to know, uh, my name is Minister Marvin Lewis. Um, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ when I was at the age of 10, and this was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I, I want to say it was a rather unique experience. Um, I pretty much, I'd say pretty much have been in church all my life, but it wasn't until this particular day in uh, uh, church, New St. John Baptist Church, shout out if any of y'all are watching, um, New St. John Baptist Church. And the it wasn't the pastor that was speaking this day, it was another particular man of God. I cannot remember what his name was, but I remember at that time, he preached a message about giving your life to Jesus. And at the age of 10, I felt like this man was talking right to me. I said, he, he is talking to me. And so when they started to open the doors to the church and wanted to know that anybody wanted to be born again, I came up to the altar crying. Just at age of 10, and everybody thought I just wanted to join the church. And I remember hearing people in the back of my mind and, and in the, the congregation say, oh, that's so cute. He wants to join the church. I'm like, no, y'all don't understand. This man said, I need Jesus Christ. And I heard him speak to my heart. So I came up there and that was my first experience with the Lord Jesus. And as I went and I progressed through life, I you know, had to learn and I'm growing up being a young man and um, my family moved from Charlotte, North Carolina and came here to Baltimore, Maryland, probably when I was about 12 years old. And <clears throat> I think it was about around about around, around 13, I started to play because I'm also um, a gospel musician. I've been playing piano for 34 years now. I've been playing for 34 years. And I was, you know, playing with uh, different choirs and everything, playing with my high school gospel choir. And somewhere around, I'd say about the age of 16, the Lord began to nudge on me that he wanted me to preach the gospel. And I'm also a PK. My father, uh, my father preached his initial sermon back in 1987, I believe it was. And um, I remember the Lord just kept nudging me at age 16. I want you to preach my gospel. I want you to preach my gospel. And like so many other people, I started to run from it. I, I'm not supposed to be a preacher. I'm, 
I'm, I'm just a musician. I'm just a gospel musician. That's who I am. And it wasn't until the age of 18 and after I graduated high school, it was a watch night service. And I remember I knew what the Lord was telling me to do. I said, I can't run from this anymore. So at a watch night service, I went up to my father. This was right before we were getting ready to do the you know, midnight prayer and everything. My father was one of the uh, preachers that was up there. And I said, Dad, the Lord called me to preach and I know I have to do it. And he told me something that I never forgot to this day. He said, son, whatever the Lord told you to do, you got to do what he tells you to do. Despite what I think, despite what anybody else thinks, that's your heavenly father. And you got to do what he's called you to do. Mm. And from most people's accounts, hearing my life, most people would assume that I had what you would call a quote unquote normal life, two parents in the home and never really had any real issues or anything like that. But it wasn't until I accepted the call to preach that my life changed and I watched things in my life begin to, I don't want to say spiral out of control, but things became different in my life. Um, <clears throat> at that time, after I gave my initial sermon, I believe it was that January, and the church that we were a part of, my parents and I, the Lord led us to come out of that church and we ended up going to this other church and i use that term loosely and you'll find out why um we ended up going to this other uh church and it was something like i had never experienced before and one of the things that i came to find out about this church which i now know um we were actually a part of a christian cult hmm. and this is one of the reasons that i'm very to this day i'm very adamant against uh preaching deception and I'm very against people trying to uh, draw others to themselves and uh, uh, per se lead. It's one thing to it's one thing to honor your leaders, another thing to giving honor where honor is due, and it is another thing to almost deify a person. And that's one of the major things that cults are built on. But in this particular church, they uh, begin to do things that it was almost as if you couldn't brush your teeth without talking to this, you know, this pastor. Uh, everything was centered around my pastor said, my pastor said, my pastor said, and we begin to do a lot of things very strangely, uh, such to the point that my parents actually left, but I stayed and it became a source of contention for both of us. Uh, in my entire household, I ended up having to leave home uh, because of that and ended up moving in with this particular uh, with this particular pastor. And it, in essence, it actually caused a rift between my parents and I for a great number of years. And one of the things in which they did was they were very famous of trying to getting, getting people married. And it was almost like arranged marriages. And, uh, and, and I say this is not into a, a disrespect to anyone, but uh, my son's mother, who I was married to, was subject to this marriage that we we ended up uh meeting each other and uh i invited her to the church she came to the church and you know when she came to the church i think we knew each other all of maybe three or four months and they kept trying to push us together saying this is the woman you're supposed to be married to and this is this is god's uh woman for you and me being young and naive and just following what the quote unquote man of God said, I went ahead and got married. Mm -hmm. And um, let me tell you something, getting married at 19, <laughs> looking back now being 47 years old, uh, you know, I, I can look back and say a lot of things like, how can I be so dumb? And this is, 
you know, no disrespect to her or anything else like that, but we were young and we were dumb and didn't know all of uh, everything that was uh, entailed in marriage in itself. And we had a hard go at it. Uh, we had a hard go at it uh, in our lives. And because this particular uh, preacher was so into everybody's business in the congregation and everyone would follow pretty much whatever he said, um, somehow or another, there became a rift between he and I. And and I now know that this was the Lord that was moving me out for my own protection and my own safety. But someone in the congregation had actually lied and said that I did something that I didn't and that I had taken advantage of them, which I, I absolutely did not. And I remember the particular that particular Wednesday night service, he brought me up in front of the entire church and said that I was basically excommunicated because of what I did to this particular couple over here and that I had to go to this other um, I had to go to this other church that we used to fellowship with come to find out the same cultish behavior was over there as well too and um, he actually pronounced a uh, uh, almost a prophecy of doom over my life and her life uh, because you know we got married we, we, we actually got married in 1995 and uh, you know had such a hard way of it I mean Without going into specific details, I mean, I pretty much didn't even have a proper job to take care of my family. You know, we'd almost been evicted several times. I'd had my car repossessed. Um, there, there was just so much that I could actually say uh, about this particular preacher. Um, but he actually basically kicked us out of the church. We ended up going to this other church and where I stayed uh, with my ex-wife that probably about 11 years and um we actually had a a policy at this church whereas if you missed church you would no longer remember you had to be in church every time on time okay. every time on time that was the the qualification you know something happened your car broke down you got to find a way to get to church uh, somebody in, had an emergency household. You still had to be to church on time every time. And your membership was cut off if you weren't at church on time. You know, you'd probably be set down for a good three, four months or something like that. And this type of behavior went on for years. And of course, being in a young couple like we were, we went through our, we went through our struggles and, uh, of course, not having the proper, um, guidance per se what happened was i began to as a preacher uh trying to still preach the word of god as best as i could and, and we weren't preaching any like type of heresy or anything else like that but it was it was a i would say it's very holiness based very um apostolic based and this is nothing against anyone of apostolic or holiness but it was less about, I don't want to say it was less about relationship, but it had some more sort of do with things like, you know, women couldn't wear earrings, they couldn't mm. wear, you know, had dresses, that, uh, that type of thing there. And um, so this was the type of behavior that we practiced for many years. And uh, being a young couple as we were, we went through our struggles and everything. We had a lot of arguments. We had a lot of disagreements. It was just a lot of contention in between us. And um, one day it got to the point of being excessive on a Sunday morning that 
the argument got so bad that I found myself out in front of my house on a Sunday morning with handcuffs behind my back mm -hmm. and surrounded by four Baltimore City police officers mm -hmm. because I threw a shirt at her. And, uh, you know, I know that's kind of a <laughs> shocking thing for somebody to, you know, sit here and say. But one thing that I have found out in my life in 47 years is it's no point in trying to sugarcoat who it is that you are, or what God has delivered you from, or what you've been through. Mm -hmm. Because somebody that's out there may be listening, they may feel at a point of hopelessness and not being able to, well, God could never forgive me. I could never mm -hmm. come from this particular aspect that I could never come from that, which is why I'm very readily able to, you know, share the testimony of what I've been through, you know, in my life. Uh, that was ultimately what caused our divorce and separation. Now, mind you, here I am now, I think it was about 33, 32, 33 years old and had never had a single adulthood. So here I am, I'm single, I'm by myself. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do me. And that's mm -hmm. in essence what I did for about two years. I, I went out and I did me and without being too graphic, I did me. Mind you, I still got to call the preacher on my life. Mind mm -hmm. you, I'm still a minister. But what happened was during that, after that separation, there was this depression that came over me and the enemy started to talk to me so much. Uh, oh, and I didn't even mention the fact of my drinking. I, I definitely had to, got, got to definitely throw that in there. Um, there was a point in which um, I'd say towards about maybe the last year and a half of our marriage that I started to drink very heavily and I've got a very high tolerance for alcohol. And I mean, whereas most people could drink one or two drinks and a five for the evening, I'd be drinking seven or eight of them and would be getting basically tore up. Mm. Um, it is a, it is a wonder to me that my liver works. <laughs> it is a, it is a, it is a real wonder to me. And I think one of the things that, um, the one day that it actually got me, um, and this is, it's kind of, this is, this is really the first time that I've ever really talked about this publicly on a platform, but I will never forget the day that, uh, I used to get those big 40 ounces of Bud Ice. And that was my drink. And, um, uh, one day my oldest son, who's now 25, I remember that he found my bottle that I, I, cause I was drunk one night and I never did take the bottle from behind the chair. Mm. And I think he was probably about maybe 10 or 11 years old that time. And so my, uh, my son's mother found it and she took it to our pastor. And, uh, I remember being sitting in an office and feeling this condemning, you know, the, the, how dare you, you know, your son found this and all of these different thoughts started to hit me after I got you know, after I got separated, because, you know, here's the enemy. He's now talking in your ear, you know, mm. how dare you? How could you do this to God? You're supposed to be a preacher. You're supposed to be this, 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 that, and other thing. And enemy started talking to me, says, you know, why do you even need to be here? Why don't you just go ahead on and take your life? So I, I remembered at that time I was in my parents' home because I, you know, left the, the home after I'd gotten out of, uh, after I'd gotten out of jail and and everything else like that. And um, I sat on the edge of my bed at that time and I went downstairs and I got a bunch of trash bags and I put them on the, the, the bed so that I wouldn't mess up their sheets. And I got a 22 rifle and um, I remember sitting at the end of the thing 
with a loaded hollow point in that chamber. And I was going to blow the back of my skull out right in my parents' home. And um, it was a, sorry, because I can, I, can, I can talk about it now, mm. but I remember that I was looking at a picture of my son at the time when I'm mm. sitting there with this barrel in my mouth and I said, I can't do that to him. Mm. I, can't, I can't do that to him. I cannot go out like this. So, you know, I, I took the gun out of my mouth and uh, I said I wasn't going to do that. So needless to say, I go on uh, next couple of years. I'm out there doing me. I'm now I'm free. I not no attachments and everything else like that. And so then one day, one of them on Facebook, I uh, see somebody because I'm going uh, and I'm, I was actually on Facebook at the time. And I saw this young lady's picture come across the, you know, people you may know. And uh, I remember thinking, my God, she's gorgeous. Mm. And uh, of course, you know, I'm thinking like a, a man, you know, I'm thinking with my lower parts at this mm. time. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I'm, okay, well, let me see what I can find out about her. And I sent her a friend request and she, uh, <laughs> she in turn sends me a message back, says, do I know you? Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, well, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? I'm talking about, do I know you? But then I said, well, yeah, we had the same circle of friends. You know, I happen to know Pastor so-and-so. He's, you know, but you don't have to accept my friend request if you don't want to. So it took her a couple of days, but she actually accepted my friend request. And uh, we started to talk back and forth online. It was never anything, you know, vulgar or anything else like that. We just communicated. Mm -hmm. And we started talking a little bit more. And they were turning to emails. And one day I got up enough nerve to get her phone number. And I said, okay, I'm going to get her phone number. And I'm going to call her on the phone. And as I'm talking to her on the phone, we're talking for hours, just hours talking about our lives. And I'm telling about the things that I've been through. And I'm like, I'm finding out I am really in love with this woman. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, here I am. I, I'm now, I'm now divorced and everything, but I had that mentality like, okay, I'm never going to let another woman do anything like was done to me before. I'm not going to get with anybody. I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life. And here's this woman that, is just touching my heart. And I said, mm. I got to meet you. I got to meet you. So I, in turn, I, I said, well, listen, I'd love to meet you. So we decided to meet in uh, a, a parking lot of one of the, our local uh, uh, malls. And so I met her and I took one look at her and uh, we started talking and she actually, she touched my heart such to the point that I looked at her that first time that I met her, I said, you're going to be my wife. Mm. And she looked at me like, you're crazy. <laughs> I, you don't even know me. I told her, I said, you're going to end up being my wife. And so we ended up started to, we started dating from that point. Like, and we, I actually, uh, I think we were probably together for about two weeks and I had to go to Florida, coincidentally. <laughs> uh, down, and I go to Florida, down to uh, Daytona Beach, my um my cousin who actually has a gospel group was doing a recording down there and needed a keyboard player uh, to play. So I you know, played on that album. So the second day after I got down to Florida, I get a phone call from my daughter, who's was actually my stepdaughter, but she's my daughter. She was only 11. No, I think she's about maybe eight or nine years old at that time. Mm -hmm. And she calls, she says, uh, uh, Mr. Marvin I said, yeah, mommy wanted me to call you because um, she can't see. And I was wondering what she was talking about. I mean, she can't see. She said, well, mommy's completely blind. I'm like, what do you mean she's completely blind? Turns out that, um, now mind you, we'd only been dating two weeks. 
And um, she had to get taken to the hospital because she came off to work one day, had a headache, woke up next morning, was completely blind, mm-hmm. could not see at all. Like literally could not see at all. It was blurry. The vision was basically gone. And I knew that I was in love with this woman. So here I am. I'm 500 miles away in Florida. And, and, and I can't do anything because I've got to be on this in the studio and, and you know, all this other kind of stuff together. And here this woman is that I love is blind in the hospital. And as I'm getting daily updates from people that we both know, they're, they're telling me like, listen, it doesn't look too good. We don't know whether she's got an aneurysm. They ended up doing a, an ap- epidural blood patch on her. They were basically preparing her to die. Mm. And, um, she was scared. And of course I was afraid for her. And I told her, I said, um, I said, well, look, I'd love to make our relationship official. Uh, you know, and so I remember like, think about maybe two o'clock in the morning, April 26, 2010. I'm very good with dates. <laughs> and I, uh, I told her, I said, will you, will you be my girlfriend exclusively? And she told me, she said, yes. So from that time on, we were an official couple. And, um, so when I get back from the um, when I get back from the, the uh, thing in, in Florida, I come back to the house and both of her parents are there, and I got to meet her parents for the first time. And she's looking at me, and of course, you know, when people are blind, they can't, you know, they're looking somewhere, but they can't see you. And so, in essence, I ended up moving in with her and begin to take care of her for two months. Mm-hmm. She was totally blind, and she, you know, would cry sometimes and say, "Well, what if?" You know, what if I never get my sight back? And I already knew I was going to marry her. I said, listen, I don't care if I got to come down the aisle and get you. Mm. You know, I I love you. Um, So December 26th of that year, you know, I proposed to her. I proposed to her at her home church in New Jersey. And uh, this, not this Saturday, but next Saturday will be our 11-year anniversary that we have been together. Now, to get back to what, put me on TikTok and in in touch with you, all of these different events of my life have been like a culmination of where it is God is taking me. And um, I'm always very careful to let people know, like, listen, your destiny doesn't just come in just one great big, okay, God says here, you're going to do this great thing and wonderful and boom, now go out here and do it. No, he walks you in steps. That's why the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. He walks you in steps. And I used to look at some of the downfalls that I had in my life from the drinking to the, you know, the, the, the fornication, all of these different things in which I did. And I said, you know, God, if I hadn't gone the pathway that I'd gone, I would have never met my wife. Mm. If I'd have never been on Facebook in the first place, I would have never met her. Our paths would have never crossed. If I had never clicked on a picture that day, we would have never known each other. And had I not been uh, and gone the route that I had gone even on TikTok, you and I would not even be talking today. Yes, it, it it is amazing to me because when my wife and I, we got on TikTok, we were just... And just having fun, just kind of like everybody else, just looking at you know funny videos and laughing at different things. And then one day, someone I put a video up, uh, I think it was a, a voiceover for Pastor Jamal Bryant, and it like almost went viral. Like overnight, I jumped from maybe a hundred followers to like three hundred, and then the number started going up. And I looked at all these different comments on there, and then somebody asked, "Can you pray for me?" 
I said, okay, but I did something different than most people do because most people will just say, put a little comment, oh yeah, praying for you, keeping in my prayers. I said, no, I'm going to actually pray for you. And I put up a video of me praying for this individual. Well, I just got comment after comment. Can you pray for this situation? Can you pray for that situation? And I began to start moving in that. So my TikTok page went from just having fun and looking at videos to actual ministry. Mm. And uh, which is why I changed my screen name to I will pray in Jesus name, which people said, where did that come from? I said, because I'm going to pray because I don't believe that we should just, oh, I'm going to pray for you, keeping you in my prayer. No, hit your knees. That person has asked you to touch heaven on their behalf, touch heaven on their behalf. So, you know, this, you know, went on for, I think I've been on there now close to two years I've been on. And last year, there was a video that I put up um, from Bishop T.D. Jakes about uh, fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And this video, it was just a message that blessed me. It was from this Father's Day message last year, not this one, but last year. And the message, it just it spoke right to me about fathers and what it is that we have to do, what we have to sacrifice for the sake of our children. And I kind of piecemealed the video together and I put it up. Well, that next morning I got up, it had like, 10,000 views. I said, whoa, well, this looks like it's going to go viral. And next thing I know, to date, I think that video has been dubbed, uh, that that sound has been dubbed over 14,000 times. It's got about 10,000 shares. Um, It's been viewed over 400,000 times, actually close to 500,000 times now. And from that point, what I did was I came up with this hashtag salvation unmasked and i don't want to say i came up with it but the lord gave it to me about Mm. three o'clock in the morning i was laying in bed with my wife and the holy ghost spoke to me and said salvation unmasked i said what lord salvation unmasked so i began to get on the internet i looked to see if there's anybody that has this hashtag has been trademarked or anything and no one out there had salvation unmasked so i began to put that on the bottom of every video salvation unmasked and to date that hashtag has been viewed 1.3 million times all over the world 1.3 million times and such to the point that that particular td jake's video it's been dubbed and used so many times that i have to be careful because there were people that actually thought that was me and not bishop (laughs) jakes because i i I saw someone's video one time and they were giving me credit for it i had to go on and hey wait slow down that's not me. That That is Bishop T.D. Jakes. And if you actually go to Google, and if you Google my name and fatherhood, you'll actually see that T.D. Jakes video come up. Wow. So, so I'm, and this is another reason I want to put this out, because I don't want Bishop Jakes come looking for me. <laughs> that I did. So, like, no, brother, yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah, but, I'm pretty sure he ain't going to be watching this. I know. <laughs> you never know. But you never praise know. God. <laughs> yep. But but what Salvation Mask was all about is, and that this is why I said all of this to get to this main point. Salvation Unmasked is about this. There's this mask of salvation that is evident to people in this world today. They see salvation as they see us preachers as um celebrities they see us as these perfect beings that's got the perfect wife the perfect job uh we make this money we have the perfect car and 
They don't do anything wrong. And that's the mentality. So that when you do see a preacher that has fallen or has done something wrong, it's like, how dare he? You're supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to be wonderful. You're supposed to be the man of God. You know, that that yeah. sounds sound how we say you're supposed to be the man of God. And the problem is, because of that, it's nothing but a mask. Because at the end of the day, they need to understand, look, I'm human just like you right, are. Right. The same forgiveness that I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. The, the 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 same Jesus Christ that I'm telling you to hit your knees for, I'm telling you, I got to do it on my own. And I think that we need to be a lot more transparent. And I'm not saying that everybody has to give their complete and total testimony and tell every deep, dark, dirty secret going on in your life. But you need to let people know that, listen, I'm not perfect. Mm. I got flaws. I've had flaws. I'll tell folks in a heartbeat. Listen, I've been to jail. I've been drunk completely and totally i have messed up stuff i have fornicated i have done so many you know awful things but here's the grace and the mercy of god the grace and the mercy i i can't preach about something that i haven't had to partake of myself when i talk about god's grace and mercy i'm talking about that grace and mercy that he showed to me mm. and that's what salvation unmasked is about it's about telling the real story like listen we're not telling you we're not glorifying sin. We're not glorifying the, the stuff that we did. We're telling you these are things that happened, and this is what God delivered me from. So that somebody that may be out there listening that's going through the same thing can know, hey, you can be delivered. You can be set free. And so that's why I, I do what it is that I do now. Praise God. So I've seen you. You know, I follow you like you're my brother. Yes, you indeed. are my you brother, are. but I follow you, are. you like yep. you're my brother. Yeah. And so my question to you is, what has been kind of the most challenging? I'm going to use that word challenging, mm -hmm. interesting. You know, uh, we're ministers. Oh, yeah. We are both called to share and and to mm -hmm. teach. And so what's the challenge on TikTok? Because I see, you know, you say, OK, I'm, I'm going to answer this mm -hmm. question. You know, yeah. So, so let me try to put this in about two or three questions, but it's one uh -huh. concept. How do you decide what question to answer? You know, what, what do you do leading into that so that somebody who sees you and says, Hey, I'm going to answer questions like, like that. <laughs> and, and, and they're missing steps, you know, yeah. kind of reminds me of the seven sons of Skiva. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So how do we keep people, you know, uh, give a little of your insight so somebody doesn't try to do what they think you're doing. Right. And they don't realize what, you know, the prayer and and, mm -hmm. and what goes into you ask, answering those questions. Exactly. Well, I, I typically, because I'll get a lot of, with certain videos, I get a lot of questions. There's certain ones that I will put up then all of a sudden everybody's got something to say. Um, one thing that I do is I try to weed out the scorners from people that actually have legitimate questions. Mm. And that's not always easy. Um, it's not always easy to, to weed out a scorner because there are certain individuals, let's be honest, that they're not looking for an answer. They're not looking for deliverance. They're looking for someone to solidify the point that they've already established in their own mind mm -hmm. that they're not going to change. But if in their mind, they're looking for a reason to say, and that's why I don't go to church, 
Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time with them. Okay. And to some people, that seems kind of cruel, but it's like, I'm not going to do, you know, as, as, uh, you know, Bible talks about, you know, babbling over uh, vain babblings, strifes of words and different things like that. But then there have been some very legitimate individuals that have had legitimate questions that say, listen, I'm going through this right now and I just can't seem to understand why the preacher would do this or the person would do that. And most people are sensible, that most people that are very sensible and want to hear what it is you have to say, when you give them that dialogue, they'll say, okay, I can see your point, but how about this? Right. And it's like, you can sort of gauge whether or not, is this conversation worth my time? Am I getting anywhere with this conversation? Are we, are we reasoning? Like the Bible tells us about, come let us reason. Are we reasoning together? Or am I just spewing about a spewing out a bunch of points that you're going to bat back anyway? Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to just bat it back anyway, then I'm not accomplishing anything, which is a lot of cases. If you'll see some of my comments, if you just see me say something like, okay, or got you, mm -hmm. trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm letting anybody know now. If you ever see me just say, okay, that means that I'm not wasting my time with you. Yeah. So that, that helps to keep, uh, to know what questions to answer. And especially looking at the, the individuals that are asking the questions. A lot of times I, I'll go right to a person's face. Like if someone's asking a particular question about, uh, something that I'll, I'll even look at their screen name and I get a lot of these. I get a lot of the ones about the, the Sabbath and it's Saturday versus Sunday. And they will just battle me on that. I'm like, okay, I see where you're going. So I will very graciously say, Hey, listen, if you choose to worship on Saturday, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And then they say, but the Bible says this. And, and then they want to go into a whole bunch of drama. It's no point. You know, there's no point in going that. Because at the end of the day, I did not die for that individual. Mm. And if that individual, this is this is nothing helps me. If that individual really wants righteousness, the Bible says that he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Now that's a, a promise. That wasn't a promise to the Christians. Mm. That wasn't a promise. That was just a promise in general. If you want righteousness, if you really want to know what righteousness is, if you really want to know what holiness is, God is going to show you. It ain't going to come overnight. It's not going to come yeah. two nights from now, but it's going to come over a period of time. I'll, I'll give you a, a personal example, and this is, is a blessing to me. Back in 1992, there was a young man that I knew. Um, he worked at a job with me. It was kind of one of my last office jobs in 1992, and he was an atheist, a mm. stone-cold atheist, didn't mm. believe in nobody's God. And in the office that I was in, there were a bunch of uh, other young ladies that were there. They used to argue back and forth with him, just yak, 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 and say all kinds of things. And he would just bat it back and laugh. And he knew I was a minister and he, he knew I was in church and I would never engage when they would start doing that. And he would look and he would look for me to say something. And I'd just be sitting there just typing up, like not getting into it. So one day he comes to me during lunch and says, how come you never say anything mm. when I say anything? And I explained to him, I said, because at the end of the day, the Lord never told me to, 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 to argue the gospel. I'm just here to share my faith. Mm. He says, well, what do you believe? So I proceeded to tell him, I said, listen, we believe that God is God. And he has a son, is Jesus Christ, and there's the Holy Spirit. And I just went through the whole thing. I said, this is what we as Christians believe. And he said, and he listened to me. And that's all we talked about. I didn't try to lead him to the Lord. I didn't beat him over the head and say, you need mm. to give. I didn't do none of that. 
Fast forward, the very next day we come to work because it was a contract position. I didn't see him. Come to find out that they'd gotten rid of him, put him on another post. I was like, okay, well, he's gone. I didn't think anything of it. I'd say about five or six years later, I was in Baltimore and I was um, uh, riding the uh, Metro train and uh, just sitting there, just waiting on the, uh, waiting to get to the next stop. And all of a sudden I heard somebody call Marvin. I look at who's mm-hmm. calling me. And I see this guy come in a ni- real nice suit, comes running up to me. I said, oh my God, is that, is that Mike? And he comes and runs and throws his arms around me. I said, hey man, how you doing? And he just looks at me, he says, thank you. I said, thank you for what? Now mind you, I haven't seen him about five or six years. Mm-hmm. Said, thank you for what? He said, it is because of you that I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ today. What? I said, and then, see how you said that? That's exactly what I said. I said, what? And he proceeded to tell me what happened. He said, listen, he told me that that night when I got, he said, when he got home, he said, Marvin, I had never prayed before. I didn't believe in God. He said, but when you talk to me, something different happened. Mm. And I just had to, he said, I got on my knees and I, I'm trying to remember word for word how he said, it. he said, I got on my knees. I didn't know anything about God. And he said, he looked up towards God and said, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if anything that Marvin was saying was true. But if you are real, I don't want to be wrong. So please help me to know what's right. And he said, that was all he said to God. The very next morning, he found out he got put on a new post. He goes to this new post to meet up with the people that he was supposed to be working with. And lo and behold, there was a lady there that was an evangelist. And when she mm. saw him, she said, she said, young man, you've been seeking out the Lord. Mm. And he said he instantly started crying. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ right there in the office. His first day, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I said about a year later, he moved, I think, to Texas and has been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ ever since. And he says to this day, he said, when I, whenever I stand before the people of God, he said, I always tell that story about that man that just talked to me about his faith. He shared his faith. He said, that's all he did. And this is what encourages me when it comes to seed planting. Our problem is we keep trying to make the harvest happen. We keep thinking that, oh, well, this person didn't give their life to Jesus Christ. So God must not be pleased. And we're not, we're, we're, we're not busy enough planting seed. We're trying to make a harvest happen. And God like, listen, some of you going to water, some of you going to plant, but God's got to give the increase. And we frustrate ourselves because we don't see a harvest and we mm. think a seed is not being planted. And I look at it like this analogously. In, in my backyard right now, I have a bunch of bamboo. I'm going to tell you why I hate bamboo. Bamboo, though it's strong, it's annoying because it grows like wild and you have no idea where it's going to pop up one day. But the thing about a bamboo seed is when you put it in the ground, it takes about five years for that seed to germinate underground. It takes a long time for it to grow. But when it finally does pop up, it's one of the strongest plants out there. That's how bamboo works. And when we start planting seed, you have no idea that seed that you planted Mm, today, that 20 years from now is going to pop out of the ground stronger than ever. I would have never thought that this guy who was an atheist didn't believe in nobody's God 
would be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and turned around and gave me the credit. Now I told my solution that <laughs> to God be the glory. Right. So, so that's why when you, you may see me that I will engage with a person. I'm like, listen, Hey, this is what I, you know, believe in. This is what the word of God says concerning that. I have no idea what may happen in that person's mind when I walk away. When they click off of that TikTok, they might say, well, let me go look into that. Mm. And they may hit their knees and say, well, Lord, what does this mean? And other individuals may say, and there's seed being planted where we know nothing about. But our problem is we won't plant the seed. We keep thinking that we've got to be hermeneutically correct and homiletics where all of our homiletics got to be in order. We've got to have our strong concordance and we got to have our vines out. No, just share the faith. He'll put the people in front of you that he needs to put in front of you that you'll be able to make an impact on their life. You ain't got to sound like everybody. And again, that's another thing that Salvation Unmasked is all about. It's about saying, look, you don't have to sound like this particular preacher, the man of God, and you don't have to do all that. <laughs> you got to be yourself. I, I tell people all the time, like, listen, I've had people tell me, oh, I love your voice. I'm like, I can't stand hearing my own voice. Mm-hmm. I think I don't sound right. But God is doing something mm-hmm. with this voice. And yeah. that's what I want him to do. Do what you going to do, Lord. Don't don't bring no attention to me. Don't say how great I am because I'm not. I got flaws. I got issues. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I got flaws. <laughs> I got issues just like everybody else, but I'm striving every day for perfection in him. And that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Praise God. I want to tell you a quick story. But mm-hmm. before I do that, uh, God moment. When you started talking, you saw me turn and type. You yeah. guys at home or on the podcast, rather, you can't see us, but but I take notes. And some of you that have been listening, you know that. So here's the note I wrote. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yeah, go for don't it. Get, don't get all them goosebumps and whatnot. Fall out on me now. <laughs> I wrote, the key is don't try to change people. Just be who you are. Christ will do the work. And and you just sat there and said, (laughs) after I finished typing that, Uh I I tuned back in, and that's exactly what you said. I said, all right, God. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you said, don't try to sound like another preacher. No. The first time, the yeah, the second time, the second time I was going to preach a sermon, Mm -hmm. it was going to be, it was uh, February 1999. Oh, Lord. And uh, I was practicing, like so. I'm, so I'm, I'm building, but I have plenty of time to practice, right? I'm yeah. watching preachers on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to, and <laughs> this there. one, this one preacher was, he was, he was preaching, and, and and he had his little towel, and he said he would. I don't even remember everything he was saying. I just remember this line. He would say, y'all ain't praying for me. And he'd go and he'd say, <laughs> and he'd say y'all ain't praying for me. So, oh, Jesus. so here I am. I'm visiting my father. Now, I got a month before I'm supposed to preach this sermon. Mm-hmm. And I'm practicing. <laughs> and I'm throwing that in there. Y'all ain't praying for me. <laughs> I didn't do it, but oh my goodness, I was practicing yeah. what mm-hmm. I saw somebody doing, and I've never done that uh, other yeah. than a joke. A friend of mine and I uh-huh. have a run into it because I did share that story with uh-huh. him. 
And so uh, that will be our thing. We'll we'll just say you ain't praying for me. You ain't praying for me. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please listen to Minister Marvin. Yes, Do not, under any circumstance, no. try to be who no. you are not. God no. called you to be who yes. you are. I got yes. a friend. I got a friend, and she said uh, you were made on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. And and I think it's important for us to grab that in this moment because you you just sat there. You didn't yeah. try to you didn't try to engage. You didn't try to you just yeah, and I would venture to say that that was the spirit of the Lord working in you. That's Don't it. say anything. Don't say, say anything. And mm -hmm. and so that I I like that. Yes. I like that. So yes. let's land this thing. Yeah. How can people, well, we know that we can go, I will pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> How yep, else yep. can they find you on social media? Well, um, I've, I've only got two uh, places I am right now, and that's on TikTok and also on Instagram. On oh, Instagram. Oh, oh, oh. So, uh, skirt, skirt. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all check him out. He went on and got his little wife off Facebook, so he left Facebook. He got no more use for Facebook. Go ahead. No, Go more, ahead. no more use. No, yep. No more use for Facebook. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're all right, man. But yeah, I'm only on uh, on TikTok and on Instagram. Um, I'm not on Instagram as much as I'd like to be, but I, I'm trying to see if I can work both together somehow but on instagram you can find me under salvation unmasked okay so yep All so right. on salvation unmasked and i will put those in the description of the podcast mm -hmm. and i don't want to lie i probably will put it also on the youtube so cool. so th they'll be able to find oh and i'm on youtube I'm also on YouTube now. I haven't done many videos yet, but I am starting to build that up. And of course, as my own, you know, podcasting comes together, I will put that on YouTube. So on YouTube, it's under Salvation Unmasked as well. Okay. So mm -hmm. Salvation Unmasked, Salvation Unmasked, Instagram, YouTube, and mm -hmm. I will pray in Jesus' name, TikTok. There you go. That's All right. It. So before we get off here, will you give the people an encouraging word something that maybe they didn't listen to anything you said already what is it that you want to leave them with today i want to leave you all with this no matter where you go in life no matter what direction god takes you keep being humble mm. because god will do some awesome things in your life god will take you some awesome places and I had to learn this as a musician, and I keep this ever before me. When anyone gives me a compliment, and even my wife will tell you, it's hard for me to accept compliments from people, um, especially as a musician. I have people tell me, you're awesome, or oh, you're great. And the one thing that I'm always saying is to God be the glory. Mm -hmm. You want to always keep humility before you. None of your anointing, None of your gifts, none of your talents are of you. It's of him for his purposes and for his glory. Mm -hmm. The minute you get into that point that you start heaping on to yourself how great I am, I promise you, you are on a slow decline 
to being rejected by the Lord. He says that he resisted the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. And I promise you, if you uh, humble yourself, he will exalt you in due time for his purposes again. So if I can keep that before anybody, and I, I, my prayer is that I say that for the rest of my life, no matter what direction the Lord takes me, I prayed this prayer to the Lord probably about three months ago, standing in my bathroom. Mm. And I told the Lord, I said, God, if you will allow me to touch the lives of millions, I will never stop. They will have to kill me to shut my mouth. Mm. And I meant that I vowed to the Lord. I said, if, and I said that as an actual vow to the Lord. And it was at that time, things have begun to progress. You and I talking, you and I meeting, you and I connecting. And I have watched God begin to bring things forth to bring that to pass. Now I can't sit back and just say, oh, Lord, you've done this for me. Uh uh. I got to remember what I vowed to him. And that's my prayer that I always keep that before me. I will never stop. You got to kill me to shut me up. And that's what I want to keep before. So stay humble, everybody. Stay humble. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're ended right there. All right. God bless you. And stay humble. That's all I can say. Stay humble, (laughs) y'all. Praise God. Or or let me say uh, what uh, Minister Lewis said. To God be the glory. I enjoyed hearing from him and I pray that you did as well. I think the biggest thing that he would want us to take from his time is to be humble. Allow God to use you how God wants to use you. And I don't think I'm putting words in his mouth. I believe that's what he shared with us and the the young man, the gentleman who God used Minister Lewis to touch that young man, to put that young man in place so that the lady could come and speak life into his life. And now he is a pastor. And so that is definitely worth you out there keeping your heart focused on Christ, staying humble and allowing God to use you for the purpose that he created you for. Well, that's all we have for this week's Agape Leaders Podcast. Until next time, you have a blessed week. Thank you.